Hello, one and all. This is yours truly, Logan Blackman. If you were expecting to hear some pleasant sounds from the gorillas titled Rock the Bells, as we usually have, Logan is too stupid to figure out GarageBand. It doesn't know how to fade sounds because we usually just do this on iMovie, but for some reason iMovie is not working today. So I hope you enjoy the sounds of my soothing voice on this episode of The Logan Blackman Show. We will go over our latest experience at another Sunday Night Football game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings, which saw the Vikings win the game, which was disappointing to much the to the chagrin of many Minnesota Vikings fans out there. We also go over if Baker Mayfield has a future in Cleveland. We look at the possible quarterback battle between Mike White and Zach Wilson for the Jets. We look at college football, some terrible bets, Iowa's insane offense, and look at our Week 9 quarterback prospect rankings. I sure hope you enjoy the show, and I will turn it over to Logan, host of the Logan Blackman Show. Take it away, good sir. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh my goodness, we were gone. Yeah, we were we were gone. We were they didn't have a show on Monday. It was pretty pretty heckin' disappointing, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was very disappointing. But but we are back, and that's all that really matters here. We are coming back from going the re well, the reason, basically, uh, why we did not have a show on Mondays because we were up at the Minnesota Vikings v Dallas Cowboys football game. And this is my first ever NFL game where I had no affiliations to either side. I've been to a college football game before where I had no affiliations to either side. I went to Iowa State versus Texas A&M back in like, I have no idea. Like, Well, let's just put it like this. Gerard Johnson was the starting quarterback for A&M at the time. And Ryan Tannehill, the, you know, the guy who starts for the Tennessee Titans now, he was the number one or number two wide receiver on the A&M team. Iowa State lost the game. That's all I remember. Couldn't tell you the score. Couldn't really tell you anything that happened. But that was the first and the first time I had no affiliations to a game that I went to that was past high school level. Because I don't think high school really counts when you're talking about this. Because, you know, you just cheer for your high school. You don't really have affiliation to any high school. But you'll go and watch because most of the time it's like five bucks to get in. But college and NFL, they can get a little more pricey when you don't have an affiliation to a team. But this was fun. Sunday Night Football, Dax out, right? Game time decision. He got found that at around 6 o'clock, 6.30, while we were in line for two chicken tenders that cost me, well, chicken tenders plus a, what did we get to drink? A Pepsi was, uh, let me do the quick math here, 16 bucks for chicken tenders and a Pepsi. Good freaking lord. There, we got two of them. You know, the fries were all right, but good. You, you felt like you just drank up the entire ocean with how much salt was on these frickin' french fries. Good lord, and the chicken tenders were about as uh, like the size of your palm. They weren't even that big. I ate the whole thing while we were walking to our seats, which was a decent section from my standpoint because it was a couple sections over from when my dad and I and a few of our Bills backers friends went up there in Minnesota to watch the Buffalo Bills beat up on the Minnesota Vikings when they're 14, 14 and a half point underdogs. Josh Allen's rookie year, second career start, and the game where he infamously hurtled over Anthony Barr. So I have a nice affiliate. He's my favorite player on the Vikings, Anthony Barr. I know a lot of Packers fans. They might be their least favorite player on the Vikings because, you know, he was the guy that delivered the hit on Aaron Rodgers, which basically destroyed the entire roughing the passer penalty as we knew it to what it is now to where if you tap the quarterback at any level, it's a rough in the passer. Face, head, neck, chest, shoulders, (laughs) legs, anything. If you looked at them weird, rough in the passer call. 
And there was a shady one that got called on the, on the Cowboys during this game. But before the game started, I went up there with three friends. Two of them were Vikings fan, the other one was a Chiefs fan. And the two Vikings fans, this was their first ever NFL game. First ever NFL game. So they were excited. Vikings fans, Sunday Night Football, first ever game. Oh, it's going to be awesome. The Vikings are very close to being a good team. They're a couple missed field goals away from having a completely different record than what they are now. We're looking at the Cardinals and Bengals probably a little bit differently than what we do right now. Because the Vikings were a missed extra point and missed game-winning field goal away from beating the Cardinals, and then they were a missed field goal away from beating the Bengals. A Bengals team that we'll get to in a little bit had themselves a very uh, traumatic weekend, I guess we could call it. Maybe some controversy brewing on the New York Jets side of things, the New Jersey side of the New York border. I don't know. We'll have to see. But this game, going up to it, I was excited for going in as a neutral anyways. I didn't wear... I My dad's raised me this way. I will never wear an opposing team's... like Not opposing team. If I'm just going to a game like this, like or a game where I have no affiliations to the Cowboys, Vikings, or whoever the hell I'm watching, Texas A&M or Iowa State, I'm not going to wear any colors of any team involved. Unless, therefore, unless I'm going to a Chiefs game, a Patriots game, a Jets game, Dolphins game, Steelers game... Broncos game, Raiders game, Cowboys game. Well, I guess, no, I went to this one too, but I guess I don't have the, the utter hatred for the Cowboys. But the other teams I mentioned, I might very well be wearing the uniform of the other team. Mostly the Chiefs, because I cannot stand them. And we'll get to their fans in a little bit, because we had a, a little incident this weekend when it comes to Kansas City Chiefs and their fans. But going into the game, talking to Jared, he's one of my friends that went to the game with me. He was the Vikings fan. He said, Logan, does this stadium get loud? Or how loud the stadium get? I was like, uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, the Vikings did do a lot of scoring when I went to the game against Buffalo, and they were losing to a team that were supposed to murder. So, I mean, it didn't, yeah, it didn't get too loud. I'm not going to lie. And then we're going to the game. We're sitting down, get with our two chicken. Well, I'm, mine's gone, but the other, they're sitting there with their two chicken tender basket with fries, and Brady and Jared got a beard. Noah got, I think, a Mountain Dew, and I'm sitting there. With nothing but a half-full glass of Pepsi, because I ain't buying no souvenir cup at a frickin' Vikings game. And we're sitting there. The intro's pretty cool. Intro's pretty cool. Uh, it's the first time I actually... So I think it was just cooler because it was at night. I would I would guess that's why it was cooler. <laughs> they had snow falling from the, the ceiling. And it, it's kind of funny and kind of sad at the same time. When you look at the Vikings and their whole... Uh, their aura, the Vikings battle, no matter what the weather is. And... They're playing in a dome, and and all their highlights in their intro movie or intro video are all from when they were outside, like a bunch of pansies up in Minnesota playing in a freaking dome. And you look at all the other Midwest teams apart from Detroit, but you really want to be associated with them. The Bengals, the Browns, the Bears, the Packers, the Bills will count them. Pittsburgh, they don't have a dome. Why are we using a dome? It's supposed to be your home field advantage. All your greatest memories have been when you've been an outside team. Not when you've been inside a freaking dome. And then when all your highlights are outside. And then you use fake snow. Now for the fan experience, I'm sure it's a whole hell of a lot better. But for the at, like home field advantage, there ain't none there. And especially going to that game. And we sat right after kickoff. Let's just go after this. Right after kickoff, we sat straight down. First kickoff of the game. Jared turns to me and says, well, they sit down in their full games? I said, normally they don't. I don't know why we're sitting down this early. It was the first play. We, before the first play of the game, we were sitting down. And then as the game progresses, 
They do that stupid, oh, it's, uh, right, make some noise, decibel levels, 100 and whatever. You could talk at a normal level and hear everything. Like, hear yourself. You hear your friends you're talking to. Nothing loud at all. There got to a point where there's a Cowboys fans were chanting, let's go Cowboys, to where they drowned out the let's go Cowboys chant with music. And then about 10 seconds after that, they started the skull chant again. That stadium is, this is the second time I've gone there, first time experiencing it as a neutral and just kind of taking in the atmosphere in that. They are not loud. Good freaking Lord. For being in a dome, <laughs> I don't know if it's the, the way the dome's built. The Cowboys fans were louder than the Vikings fans. Like, what the hell was that? And my friend Noah, who's sitting there, he was trying to defend it. I think it was that loud. No, it wasn't loud to you because you're in denial because you're a Cowboys or a Vikings fan. They literally played music over a Let's Go Cowboys chant because it was so loud. They had to drown it out with music. <laughs> Like, it was dead. And the team's frustrating to watch. I mean, how many checkdowns did, like, death by a thousand checkdowns pretty much in this game? Cooper Rush. Like, the Cowboys didn't even play that well, to be 100% honest with you. But they ended up winning the game. They didn't. They led for about 30 seconds of the game. <laughs> that was the very end of it. Like, there was... I enjoyed the game because I got to sit there with two people that never been to NFL games before. But if I look at all the other stadiums I've been in, the only stadium that was quieter than that was Cincinnati because there was about 20,000 people at the game. That, for a team that's supposed to be really good, or not really good, but good, on Sunday night football, in a dome, which is supposed to make things louder, it was really quiet. Like, you could hear yourself talk normally. You didn't need to raise your voice. Like, we were at the Chiefs game in the same, pretty much the same exact spot in Arrowhead Stadium. Then we were at the Vikings game on Sunday, and my ears hurt. Like, my ears were killing me after, like, the first two drives of the game. The Vikings stadium, it threw up, like, let's go defense thing, or we need to get loud, decibel, scream, whatever you want to call it. Every down. You shouldn't have to do that. You should only need to do that stupid thing when it's a big down. Not when it's a <laughs> first down. Now, I'll give them credit to the Cowboys. When we went down to Dallas, they had sounds over it, too. Like, let's go defense. I felt like it was at a freaking basketball game. I'll give them credit because they didn't pump in crowd noise. But that would have probably helped because it was not loud. I don't know how it sounded on TV or how it sounded for anybody else at the game. But if you're drowning out opposing team chants with music and then restarting the skull chant, which stinks and is incredibly overrated, by the way. I've experienced it twice in person. It's not that intimidating. And yeah, it's just, and the tailgating sucks there too. We didn't even tailgate. We got to the hotel, drank a couple beers, hopped on a train, got to the stadium and went in. Tailgating there stinks, but that's this, the, the thing you're going to have to deal with when you're in a downtown stadium which is what I'm hoping the Bills don't end up doing when you look at where the Bills stadium is. And the Bills stadium stinks. I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, well, I almost called it Ralph Wilson Stadium. Highmark Stadium, I think is what it's called now, is nothing to look at. But they get louder than that. <laughs> and it's an outside stadium that doesn't have the overarching things like Arrowhead does where it curves sound back in. No, it's just like out. And then it gets louder in there than it does at the Viking Stadium, which is a dome again. But yeah, I've my dad and I have talked about this before. In all the games we've been to, so I've been to Buffalo. We're just going to go over stadiums. Been to Buffalo, Highmark Stadium. Been to Arrowhead the most times out of most every stadium. I've been to the Viking Stadium twice. I've been to Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. I've been to Dallas. 
And I almost went to Cleveland, but we didn't go there. Though, just regards of atmosphere, like tailgating included, the Bengals stadium's better than both. And not stadium itself. Okay? The stadium itself, no. But if you're talking about just tailgating atmosphere, Bengals have a great tailgating setup. I'll give them a thousand percent credit on that. Bengals tailgating, A1. A1 tailgating. <laughs> Cowboys, I won't give them a lot of heat for the tailgating thing because it was on Thanksgiving. So I'm assuming a lot of people are eating breakfast or eating their lunch at home, their turkeys and all that stuff at home and then going to the game. But we are also in VIP parking <laughs> at the Cowboys game. So there's a few things that didn't help the Cowboys in regards to the tailgating aspect of it. But we're just, so I haven't really, I'm not going to count that as a full experience because I would need to go to an actual game, not a holiday game, which will be a whole lot different than a, you know, Sunday night football game. But Minnesota, the tailgating stinks. The stadium's not that loud. And you drowned out the opposing teams, a team that I have bashed before because they pump in crowd noise at their stadium for being too quiet. And we're, (laughs) oh man. Yeah, it, it, overall, though, even though I'm saying all this and kind of poking fun at it, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it because you have no stress. I was not stressed out for a single second during this game. I had a Bills hat on. I got two compliments on the Bills hat, and I was enjoying myself. But if we're talking about the overarching fan experience, if you take out, if I was just there by myself, which wouldn't happen because I wouldn't just go, hey, you know what? I'm feeling like spending $130 by myself to go to a Vikings-Cowboys game. I would have not enjoyed myself. <laughs> but I was with friends, so that made it obviously a little more fun. But this brought up an interesting point that we were talking about the game. So as I said, Jared and Noah have never been to an NFL game before. This is their first ever NFL game. Vikings game, whatever. Home away, whatever. First ever one. So this was their first experience of NFL fans. Because being in Iowa, you don't get a vast majority. I mean, you get a lot of fans of different teams, but you don't get, like, heated around different teams. Unless, like, again, the Chiefs, Packers, Vikings, Bears, you get those guys because they're the most liked teams in the NFL, and the Steelers are up there as well. But you don't get, like, heated about it. You get annoyed. Like, I get annoyed about the Chiefs, but I've also been to Arrowhead before, so I get a little more annoyed by that. They were bringing up the Cowboys fans are super annoying and the worst fans of football. I know that's the meme. I know the meme is that Cowboys fans suck, Cowboys fans this, Cowboys fans that. I will rival them with anybody. I always said this before this past weekend. Kansas City Chiefs are the most annoying fans in the entire NFL. If I had to rank my power rankings, my top three most annoying fans, number one Chiefs, number two Patriots, number three Cowboys. That's what I would label it as. Vikings ones should could honestly be mixed up with the Cowboys one because of the fact when we went up there for the Bills game, it was just a bunch of baby talk the entire time. Oh, are you guys excited for this game? Man, I, you guys really don't think you're going to win this game, are you? No, we're just here to have a good time. Just watch, you know, Ricky Josh Allen play. Watch a team play. It's going to be fun. Just here for the experience. From Iowa, drove up three and a half hours to get here. It's going to be fun. You don't think you're going to win, though. No, no, we're just here to have fun. Don't really care. So maybe you could throw them up, but I've never really had an issue with the Cowboys fans, if I'm being honest, because we were in a box in Dallas, and we were the most annoying people in the box. We were the only Bills fans there. Everybody else is dressed nice, decently dressed well, and we're rocking. I'm rocking a Josh Allen jersey. My dad's rocking, like, this Bill. There's just all Bill stuff. No, like, suits, no ties, no nothing. Casual. Keeping it casual. But they are annoying to a certain extent. But the Chiefs fans, 
You can't get more annoying than this. When your own players are coming out and saying that you're the most toxic fan base in the NFL, that means you're toxic. <laughs> There's some entitlement that they get for unknown reasons. They Before the Super Bowl they won a few years ago, they weren't good since the freaking 60s with Hank Schramm and Len Dawson. Like, Ken Dawson. They didn't do anything. They had a, were terrible in the playoffs. They had an insane streak of losing at home in the playoffs. Before a few years ago, I think they had a stretch that went all the way back to the 90s for their losses consecutive at home in the playoffs. And then now they got a Super Bowl, and then now it's all, we're hot shit now. They're so annoying. I, I've been to multiple Chiefs games. I've been to multiple Bills Chiefs games. I have one of my best friends is a Chiefs fan. My dad's business partner is a Chiefs fan. A lot of people I went to William Penn with are Chiefs fans. And I like them a lot. But <laughs> the fans are terrible. <laughs> it doesn't help that Brittany Matthews and Jackson Mahomes are the faces of the fan base. But even before Tyron Matthew and Anthony Hitchens sounded off on Instagram, I would have said this. Because I think I've said it before. And the Patriots fans. Like, they've been good for 20 years. They were the doorstep of the NFL for most of their existence. They were ass. They went to the Super Bowl in 85, got ass-pounded by the Bears, somehow beat Dan Marino and the Dolphins, Tony Eastnet quarterback, and then you were good one year in the 90s and got beat by Brett Favre in the Super Bowl. You traded away Jim Plunkett after drafting him first overall, basically just destroying his confidence and basically will to live, and then he goes to the Raiders and wins two Super Bowls. Like, until you got lucked out on Bill Belichick quitting on the Jets after like 15 minutes or however long it was, you got lucky. And now there's this all confidence. Now Tom Brady's gone. And now we're talking about, oh, how the Patriots are really close to being as, being as good as the Bills and really aren't that far off the Bills. Before this week, before they beat the Chargers, their three wins were against one-win teams. One's against the Dolphins and two against the Jets. And we can even include, I guess the Jets won this week, so we can't say that anymore. But at the time when the Patriots beat them, they had zero wins, I guess, the first time they played them. And then they just beat the Chargers, somehow beat the Chargers this weekend. But I guess Bill Belichick's got a very good record against the LA Chargers. But yeah, this is <laughs> this is Anthony Hitchens. All we did was go to three AC championship games and two Super Bowls and one Super Bowl win. And my first three years here so far, y'all fans will never be satisfied. And it's sad. And then Tyron Matthews said, big facts, this might be the most toxic fan base in all of sports, not even the NFL, <laughs> all of sports. And then the Cowboys, I obviously know that's the big joke. Oh, it's our year this year. If you're a Cowboys fan, that means you're like a Lakers fan. You're an Alabama fan. You're uh, you're probably an Astros fan or a Dodgers fan. Like, oh, it's all this stuff. But man, Chiefs fans and Patriots fans are easily the worst. Like, easily. Maybe it's because people, it's just funny to make fun of the Cowboys because they got the whole slogan, America's team, which wasn't even just made by them. I don't know if people know that or not. It was made by NFL Films. They just lost to the Steelers in the Super Bowl, and they were responsible for making highlight tapes for both teams, and they couldn't think of anything for the Cowboys. So after the Steelers won, <laughs> they said America's team across the highlight tape. The Cowboys didn't come up with that. I know it might seem like that way, and they got this massive stadium and all that, but man, Chiefs fans are the worst. And I said that before Tyron Matthew, and that clarified it. Because they, Jared and Noah Brady had a weird interaction with a Cowboys fan at the game. I mean, not just Jared and Brady, really. 
I guess the Cowboys fan leaned over and said, you want this jersey when the Cowboys won the game? And it was just, like nothing that big. Like the Cowboys fans really didn't say anything the entire game apart from drowning out the home crowd, you know, other than that. But <laughs> it's, yeah, Chiefs fans, easy. <laughs> like that Jared asked me if we ever got into it with a fan before. And I guess the closest time I could think of was the last time we went to Arrowhead when the Bills just, you know, beat the beat the Chiefs by 18 points. And it was kind of more like them just bitching about random things that didn't affect anything in the game. Like, oh, the rough in the passer call on Patch Mahomes was complete BS. They bring up the Josh Allen thing and then go, well, did you, did you watch the one that happened earlier in the game? Did you see the phantom holding call that was called on Mitch Morse that wasn't a holding call whatsoever? And then now it's just uh, frustrating. And it doesn't help that I live in Iowa. So I get to see them and hear from them a whole lot of the hell, whole hell of a lot more than what I should. And the defense of Patrick Mahomes is getting to the point of ridiculous. I get he's really, really good and he's the best quarterback in the NFL on his day. But come on. He's trying to play hero ball the freaking time right now. And it's getting very annoying. Like, oh, everything is not his fault. Everything is everybody else around him's fault. I would love to see the defense of Patrick Mahomes if he was in Josh Allen's situation his rookie year. But he's not. He's got Tyreek Hill and Travis freaking Kelsey. This was not an excuse for him a few years ago. It's the same freaking team apart from a whole new offense from the year they won the Super Bowl. They added Clyde Rizalaire, who's hurt now, but now Daryl Williams is back there. And he was one of the guys in the backfield, if I'm not mistaken, during then. I think it was Damian Williams, but whatever. But now they suck. They're terrible. Oh, man. Patrick Mahomes could just do no wrong. And if he does anything that's bad, well, guess what? It's not his fault. It's just not his fault. But if Josh Allen misses a receiver while he's not looking at them and throws an interception to the Chargers while he's trying to look cool and do a no-look pass, you know who gets slated on the national news or on social media? Well, not Mahomes. Didn't even get shown, actually. Oh, we got uh, Patrick Mahomes taking a big hit to the head. Joe, turn away. This is going to get gross. He just caught a knee to the head. There was nothing gross about it. If you're queasy, look away now. No, I'm I'm good. I There's nothing wrong with that. I've gotten concussions before. It happens. Was it a big hit? Yeah. Oh, probably career ender right there. That's why he's back in the next freaking game, which is a whole other segment about the NFL's whole player safety thing because we all know that's complete and utter bullshit. We've talked about that for a while now. Oh, we care about player safety, but let's add a 17th game. Oh, we care about player safety. But yeah, Patrick Mahomes, after having a concussion last week, almost getting knocked out. Oh yeah, he can play on Monday Night Football. He totally cleared concussion protocol. That is complete and utter BS, but that's a whole other thing we're going to get off of. Not We're not going to go on today because we've done that a whole lot on this show. But yeah, it, <laughs> overall, like, like, <laughs> it's just fun. It's just fun. I'm having a lot of fun this year. I'm having a whole hell of a lot of fun this year, and the Chiefs almost lost to the freaking Giants last night. They got pounded by the Titans and lost to the almost lost to the Giants last night at home won by three points to Daniel Jones <laughs> and this so speaking of Daniel Jones we kind of talked about this 
while we were up in Minnesota on Monday, we left Monday, played, went to Top Golf, played some golf, did all the fun stuff to do up there. You know, all all the fun stuff you do in, in Minnesota. Go to Top Golf, watch frustrating football. <laughs> the two things you do up there, and we were. I had breakfast, and you saw this on ESPN. We were sitting there watching the TV, and it was how much of the blame does Baker Mayfield deserve for the Browns struggling this season? They just lost to the Steelers. Remember the Steelers team that, you know, didn't look like they can move a ball to save their freaking lives earlier in the season? And they just lost to the Browns, who were one of the favorites in the AFC this year? Now, one thing I'll say, Baker Mayfield is a tough SOB. He's playing with a really bad shoulder. He messed it up a few games ago. I don't remember who it was against. And then he messed it up again, like a week or two later. He had a strap on his shoulder this week. And... Yeah, so I, he plays tough, but I remember asking this a few years, or last year, or earlier this year, I guess, when the whole Deshaun Watson trade thing first started, which he didn't get traded to Miami, which on one hand, you can go, well, you didn't get Deshaun Watson, that's pretty sad because he's really good. But on the other hand, the Dolphins have a lot more needs on this team than quarterback. Two is not that bad, and you're giving up everything for Deshaun if we don't know what's going to happen with his future in regards to trail uh, suspension possible jail time we don't have a trial or anything so yeah it's probably smart for the Dolphins not to do this at this point in time but back to the original thing when this was whole when that first started I remember we talked about this on the show of Pete Brown's fans saying I wouldn't trade Baker Mayfield for any quarterback in the entire NFL maybe Patrick Mahomes and that's the mindset of a fan that's the mindset that most fans have Unless you're a pessimistic fan. But you look at that, and on one hand you go, okay, I understand to a certain extent where homeboy's coming from here. Dude is coming from the mindset that Baker Mayfield just led our team to the playoffs for the first time in forever and got us our first playoff win in forever as well. That's all fine and dandy. But you wouldn't trade him for anybody else in the NFL? And I've also seen things about how should the Browns move on from Baker Mayfield? And if you look at it and go over all the other quarterbacks in the NFL, what, how, what, how much is he going to get paid? So my dad was telling me, I can't remember where he heard this. I think it was Rich Eisen or uh, what's the other, Dan Patrick. They were talking about how they offered him like $30 million or something per year. He's not getting Josh Allen money, Patch Mahomes money. He is not anywhere close to that. So the same Browns fan, I don't know what your Twitter ad is because I don't want to go all the way back in time to find that. Would you still not trade Baker Mayfield for anybody in the NFL? You wouldn't trade him for a single one. Take romanticism out of it. Take away the fact he got you a playoff win. Take away the fact he got you the playoffs. Tell me what he does that makes you go, I wouldn't trade him for anybody apart from toughness and leadership. Because you can analyze this from one, two perspectives here. The leadership aspect and the fact that, or aspect that, he's probably or might be holding the Browns back. You look at what their offense is, it has been everything to make sure his life is as easy as possible. Which is what you should do for your franchise quarterback, or the guy you want to be your franchise quarterback. Make it easy. But he, he's pretty average. Like, they have the number one running back duo in the NFL. Granted, it's hurt, but when healthy, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunter are the best one-two duo in the NFL. 
You've got the best offensive line in football at this point in time. You look at the O-line that the Browns have, it's pro bowlers and all pros all over it, and it's healthy. Okay? Well, for the most part. I think Jack Conklin's out, but Jedrick Wills, Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, and Jack Conklin. That is the best O-line in football. You've got two good tight ends, and Joku and Hooper, and a good receiving core when healthy. The weakness on this team is at quarterback, if we're being honest. And if you look at all the other quarterbacks in the NFL, I think we said this earlier, but we didn't actually say any quarterbacks. Here are some quarterbacks that I think on their day are better than Baker Mayfield at this point in time. So I'm not going to include like Mac or Trevor or Zach Wilson or Davis Mills, Trey Lance. I'm probably not going to include the rookies at this point because if I was, I'd say a few of those or at least half those quarterbacks will become better than Baker Mayfield at some point throughout their careers. But just going through the team, Josh Allen's better, okay? You can make an argument, too, is better. I'm not going to, but you could. Then you've got Lamar, Joe Burrow. You can make an argument Ben Roethlisberger is better than Baker Mayfield. Then you've got Carson Wentz. Is he better than Baker Mayfield? Ryan Tannehill's better. Then you've got Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Jimmy G, I would argue, is better than Baker Mayfield. Matt Stafford, Kyler Murray, Tom Brady. Is Jameis better? You have to question it a little bit. Sam Darnold? Possibly. Not right now. Like we said, he's more talented, but he's not better than Baker. Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers. That would go up a little more. Then you've got, is Jalen Hurts better? Daniel Jones? I could make an argument for that. And then Dak Prescott. So you've got Josh, Lamar, Joe Burrow, this is the one that I'm guaranteeing are better. I don't need to think about it. Then you've got Tannehill, Mahomes, Carr, Herbert, Wilson, Stafford, Murray, Brady, Ryan, Cousins, Rogers, Dak. And those are the ones I just don't need to think about. Like you, can, uh, you can make arguments for other quarterbacks in this league, like Jameis, like Jimmy Garoppolo, like Carson Wentz, like Ben Roethlisberger. We named 15 quarterbacks right there. And there's another four. And if you want, again, Daniel Jones. <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm trying to be serious here. Because I think Daniel Jones, we've talked about this before, I think Daniel Jones, if he figures it out, can be a good quarterback in this league. The matter if he figures it out or not, who knows? I think he's got a lot of talent in there. Let's just see if he figures it out. But just the ones I could argue, there's four. That's 19 possible quarterbacks better than Baker Mayfield. 19. That is a lot of quarterbacks right there. And this is the guy you wouldn't trade for anybody in the NFL for? There's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And he's not better than half of them. He's either dead smack in the middle or below average. Or average. What would you consider the average range? Like 16 to 20? Is 10 to 15 average? I don't know. Or 10 to 20 average? I don't know. We'll have to see. So like great, I don't know, elite five, 1 to 5, and then five, 6 to 10, and then 10 to 15, 20, and then 21 to 32? I don't know. But those are the quarterbacks that are better than him, unquestionably. <laughs> So could the Browns upgrade? Yeah. Will they this offseason? No. But I think they de- I think that could be on the cards sometime in the future. I saw a couple mock drafts that have had like Sam Howell going there. But I think that's just like he plays like Baker Mayfield in college. So 
that's just going to be the lazy comparison you see when it comes to <laughs> Sam Howell. And we've compared in the Baker Mayfield before, so that's when you see it in a mock drive. It's like, okay, you're just saying he's Baker Mayfield, so the Browns have Baker Mayfield. You get a quarterback that's just like him, and then you eventually replace him with that. It's basically what it is. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I like Baker, but this is not the first time we've had this conversation before. We've had this conversation, which means there has got to be some sort of solution to this. Is Baker the guy? Is Baker not the guy? Would Browns fans still not trade Baker Mayfield for anybody? Romanticism aside, would you do it? <laughs> like, from a Bills fan's perspective, I would not trade Josh Allen for anybody, but then again, I'm talking about a top three quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> so, it's a little different here, but yeah, I'd, I don't know. Time will tell. Is Baker going to be the guy long-term, long-term? Or is he just going to be the guy for the next two years? Maybe? Does he sign a contract? What kind of money is he going to get? I don't know. I don't freaking know. But, man, we're going to keep talking about the NFL here. We got a lot of scores to go over this. We obviously went over the Vikings game. Vikings lost, if I did not say that. 20-16 to was the final here in Minnesota. Cooper Rush had himself a nice game. I'm not going to say it was perfection, but it was a nice game from Cooper Rush. Uh, Amari Cooper looked really good as well. Trayvon Diggs basically shut down Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen looked nice for a little bit, and then they just decided, you know what? Checkdowns work really well here. Checkdowns are the key. I, I also didn't bring this up. I don't think I've ever seen a worse 40-second offense than the Minnesota Vikings. Like, they, in the end of the first half, go and watch that back. They had a timeout and burned 30 or 35 seconds trying to get lined up. They didn't spike it. They didn't call a timeout. They didn't do anything. And when it looked like they were going to try and score before halftime, they just knelt it. Like, what was the plan here? You ran a play, got decent yards, ran up to the line, and then no one did anything. And then you were like, call a timeout. If you're trying to pass it, call a timeout. This means you're trying to score. And then they didn't get anything on the next play and then knelt it the very next play. They burnt like 35 seconds. And I was yelling at the I was yelling at the game to call a timeout. It was so confusing on what they were trying to accomplish with that. Oh, but man, that, that was a frustrating game to watch from a neutral perspective, let alone from a Vikings fan perspective. But then other games we had going on, they had the Saints beating the Buccaneers, upsetting them with Trevor Simeon. Uh, Taysom Hill's supposed to be back. This week he's coming off a concussion. I also saw that they were talking to Phillip Rivers or Phillip Rivers be open to playing for the New Orleans Saints. So time will tell on that. The Broncos beat the Washington football team in probably the least watched football game this season. I, <laughs> I would love to meet someone who sat down and watched the Washington football team versus Denver Broncos. I would love to meet someone that watched that game because <laughs> that is awful. Heineke versus Terry, Teddy Bridgewater. Good freaking Lord. Then we had the Jaguars, Seahawks. I mean, one of the most predictable games this weekend. Then we had Rams-Texas, another very predictable game. Rams won. Then we'll skip this game. But then we had the Titans-Colts. Titans win in overtime. Carson Wentz gives up probably the easiest pick six of all time. Eagles destroy the Lions. Browns lost the Steelers, like we already said. 49ers beat the Bears, but Justin Fields had his best game of his career against the Niners. Looked really good in that game. Then we had the Panthers beating the Falcons. Sam Darnold got killed in that game. Then we obviously had to be said that the Patriots beat the Chargers. Herbert threw a pick six, a bad pick six. And then the Bills came back and beat the Dolphins. Looked bad in the first half. And it was frustrating. You could see the frustration on like Josh Allen's face because I watched this game going up to Minnesota. And he was frustrated. 
Because you know this is a team you have utterly dominated since Josh has been in the league. They are 7-1 against the Dolphins. They've won seven straight games against this team. And you can, you're struggling. And it's 3-3. Three three. You're not even getting blown out or losing. It's just 3-3. Three three. But they had five first downs in the first half. They had 11 at the end of the third quarter. It was like, man, they figured it out finally. Josh Allen figured it out. They looked really good towards the end of the game. Josh Allen was talking trash, which I love to see. Like waving goodbye to the Dolphins was awesome. Flexing to the crowd. That is my favorite Josh Allen right there. <laughs> not frustrated Josh. Frustrated Josh Allen does not play particularly well, which is how most players play in the NFL. If you're not, if you're frustrated, you're not going to play very well. It's like, don't get, don't go fall for the trash talk in boxing or MMA or whatever. Don't fall for it because if you fight frustrated or fight mad, you're going to get caught out. And they were getting caught out in that game, but it didn't matter because it's the Bills versus the Dolphins. And you know what? They might not have played good. Like, good teams win, and they won, but great teams cover. The Bills were favored by 14, and they covered. So you know what? A-plus for that. But yeah, it was, I don't know, not really a lot to talk about. It was pretty boring in the first half, frustrating. And then second half kicked off, and it looked really good. Not well, not really good, but when you win a game like that, like we said this about the Dolphins-Bills game earlier this year where they won 35 nothing, They didn't look good. And yet they won 35 to nothing. That was pretty damn impressive. They won this game 26 to 11, not playing very good. And then last night, as we said, the Chiefs beat the Giants 20 to 17. Oh man, my dad and I were cheering pretty hard for the Giants. There go three and five Kansas City Chiefs. Now they're back to 500. But the game we skipped was the Jets Bengals game. So the Bengals are coming off against a giant dominating win against the Baltimore Ravens, going up against the Jets who are coming off their own debilitating defeat, allowing 54 points in the NFL and losing 54 to 14. Like the Bengals, did they just blow their load against the <laughs> against the Baltimore Ravens and not have time to recover against the New York Jets? Like cuz this was bad. And it was 31 to 34 was the final. Jets won, but you lost the Jets. Two teams that have lost the Jets this year. 5 and 6 and 2 Titans and 5 and 3 Bengals. What? <laughs> what is that? Doesn't make any freaking sense whatsoever. But hey, you know what happened? They pretty much, not really, I mean, kind of shut down Jamar Chase. I mean, he averaged 10 yards per reception, but got a touchdown as well. He has seven touchdowns in the season. No other rookie has more or less. They all have less combined. They have six. But Mike White, 405 touch passing yards. The first Jets quarterback to pass for over 400 yards since Vinny Testaverde, who was in the NFL for like 40 years. And he, oh man, so here's the, basically, Mike White throwing for 400 yards is awesome. And now, because of that, now we are having the conversations. I don't know how realistic they are, but having the conversations about, will they bench Zach Wilson over Mike White? So Mike White had four touchdowns in this game. He had three passing, one receiving touchdown. Threw two interceptions in the game, 405 yards passing. Is there an opportunity here? Because I saw a lot of people compared to this. You had Drew Bledsoe getting hurt. Tom Brady comes in. Zach Wilson gets hurt against the Patriots, no less. Drew Bledsoe gets hurt against the Jets while playing for the Patriots. And then you have Tom Brady coming in. And now you have Mike White coming in. Is there something there? Is there? Probably not. But you know what? It, it, it could, there could be something there. Because the Bengals' defense has been pretty decent this year. They've been pretty good. Like, there's no, no way about that. They've been actually pretty decent. 
And yeah, I Zach's played bad at times this year. But hey, you know what? I don't know what's gonna happen. Tough decisions for the Jets. I know a lot of Jets fans are gonna want Mike White because you just saw your first four hundred yard passing game in twenty plus years or however many long how many however long it was. Zach Wilson's threw four interceptions in one game. He's thrown an interception every game apart from the game. He got hurt. He was leading the league in interceptions before he got hurt. And then now we know that illustrious title belongs to the great Patrick Mahomes. So, or at least I think it does. I guess I don't know what Trevor Lawrence did last night or yesterday, sir. Or no, what day is it? Jeez, it's Tuesday. No, it's Patrick Mahomes. And Taylor Heineke's trying to pass that as well. He's got nine. Joe Burrow's got nine as well. Lawrence has got nine. Wilson's got nine. But Patty Mahomes, as we said, has ten. Oh, it's beautiful to see. But no, it's not his fault. Remember, it's not It's not his fault. It's not Mahomes' fault. Not his fault. Not his fault. We're going to be watching that one closely. Jets quarterback battle, maybe, hypothetically. We'll see how Mike White does next week. I don't know who the Jets play. We'll see who the Jets, who the Jets play. Because if he has another good week, it might be, okay, they're playing the Colts. And then they play the Bills, Dolphins, Texans, Eagles, Saints, Dolphins, Jags, Bucks, and Bills again. They play the Colts tomorrow, Thursday night football. So, who? It's going to get interesting. It's going to get interesting. I don't think Zach Wilson thought. I didn't think that he'd be having to face a quarterback battle this soon in his NFL career. Because he did have a very nice win over the Titans. A good team. Mike White had a very good win over the Bengals. A good team. So we'll have to see. Both teams have five losses on the year. Pretty, pretty insane, if you ask me. But we have, we're talking about, like, when we ran over the interception leaders, the guys we talked about the most in there were the rookies. You know where the rookies were last year? In college. See, that seamless transition right there is why you listen to the Logan Blackman Show, which you're listening to on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you go and follow me on all forms of social media. Twitter is Blackman or Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. Or you can follow the Instagram account, The Logan Blackman Show 1. You can go like the Facebook page, search Logan Blackman Show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, Logan Blackman Show. And you're listening to it right now, so make sure you're following or subscribed to the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. And why don't you leave a rating on Apple Podcasts? If you would, that would be very nice. We are at five stars. We have 12 ratings. We're looking so hot right now. But now we got to talk about some college football. And we did not have a good week in the world of sports betting yet again. We had a week off. Now, I'm going to base this totally off the fact that we had a mock draft to do. So you know what? Not my fault. I'm smart. I just didn't have a bad... I had an off week. You know what? Everybody has an off week. It's not my fault. It's the team's faults that didn't cover. I I did my job. The teams just didn't cover. See, I want the same... I would like the same treatment Mahomes gets. It's not my fault that my receivers, you know, that I threw the interceptions. The receivers, they ran the wrong route. or ran, They just didn't catch it. It's not my fault that I have 10 interceptions on the year. It's not my fault that I missed almost every single game this past weekend. And we didn't go over the games this weekend on Friday because we just did the mock draft. It was the show to be too damn long. But basically, it went very, very wrong. And most of these games in the top 25 went bad. Iowa-Wisconsin, one of the worst games I've ever watched my entire freaking life. It was 27-7. You felt like it was 1,000-0. I don't know how the hell Iowa managed to score a touchdown in this game, but it was awful. This is the worst offense I've seen in for freaking ever. You scored 
seven points against Purdue. You scored seven against Wisconsin. These are two teams that this year you should be beating. You are the former number two team in the nation, undeserved as most Iowa fans say, but this proves Iowa fans and other fans right. No Iowa fan in the right mind thought Iowa was the second best team in the nation. We talked about this after the Indiana game. I was shocked they moved up from 18 to 10. I didn't think that was warranted either. Yet it happened. And now we're sitting here like, man, this offense sucks ass. And Brian Ferentz, if he's not related to Kirk Ferentz, that he is gone yesterday like this dude stinks at calling offensive plays this offense is the worst Iowa offense I've ever freaking seen and I sat through Jake Christensen ball they lost to Western Michigan on senior day and I would rather sit back and watch that than this this offense sucks like a lot and I don't know how if you're even the most diehard Iowa fan how you can defend this offense they reek. And I know I Wisconsin's got a good defense. They, they're they not that good. Like, look at their past few games. They're not, like, shut down everybody like that. They owed 41 points to Jack Cohn in Notre Dame. They owed 38 points to Caden McNamara, who's thrown, like, five touchdowns all season. Like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, my God. I know Caden McNamara... Threw a couple touchdown passes against Wisconsin. But good lord, he has seven passing touchdowns all year. Two of them came against Wisconsin. He's never thrown a touchdown in back-to-back games this season. And you're going to tell me that this offense is... This defense is that good to where Iowa just can't do anything? Like, anything. Like, Michigan went in this game going against the number one rush defense in college football, which Wisconsin has. <laughs> oh, it was just bad. There's no other way to put it. If you're a diehard Iowa fan and defend that, I don't know what to tell you. I really can't help you with that. <laughs> it's bad. And for the other teams in the state of Iowa, uh, Iowa State, we made fun of this a lot in high school. This is the first time ever that I can actually say, wow, Iowa State deserved to win, and they got it taken away from them. There were a few moments in this game that were like, wow, how was that? How did that happen? Like, where I didn't see a lot of the game, but I saw the highlights on Twitter, and it was pretty bad. I was still recovering from the Iowa game. <laughs> then I went over to a friend's house for a little bit, and then I saw the end of the Iowa State game, or at least portions of it, and from what I could tell, Iowa State got screwed that game. <laughs> a lot of my friends from high school are Iowa State fans. I mean, you go to Johnston, you got John Deere right next to the old high school. So you got a lot of Iowa State grads that work at John Deere. Got a lot of connections with Johnston. I mean, a kid I went to high school, two kids I went to high school with, their grandparents' names on the practice facility. So, like, you have a lot of Iowa State fans at Johnston, so I have to deal with this a lot. But, man, that was pretty dang bad from what I could tell. Again, had, didn't watch the game, so I can't give a full analysis of it, I guess. But from the things I saw, the Brees Hall touchdown thing that got called back, the receiver for West Virginia's foot never touched the ground. There was one more that I thought was bad, but I don't remember what it was. I saw a lot of people talk about the first down Brock Purdy didn't get because he didn't, he didn't get it, so I don't know what that one's getting talked about as much because I've screenshotted it about a thousand times, drawn lines like, yeah, he did not get it. It's pretty – he's like a yard short. So that was one that I didn't really understand, but I, there was another thing that I can't remember that was bad, but – 
Bad luck. Tough, tough, tough look for the rest right there. Tough one. Very tough one. And then the other Iowa team, the big Iowa schools, uh, you and I won their second straight top 10 game. Beat South Dakota State last week on the road, and then they just beat Southern Illinois, number six team in the, or no, number three team in the nation. SDSU is number six at the time, and they beat Southern Illinois. Didn't look great in the first half. They're down 13 to six at halftime, but then they woke up in the second half, and Southern Illinois has a nice quarterback. Nick Baker is one of the best quarterbacks in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Might be the best quarterback in the Missouri Valley Football Conference this year, but they looked good in the second half. Bradrick Shaw ran for over 126 yards in this game. Vance McShane had 40 yards. Don Williams only had seven yards in this game, but Bradrick Shaw had the hot hand, so keep feeding him. Theo Day had two passing touchdowns in this game. Deion McShane had 41 yards. Sam Schnee had a touchdown, and then you had Kyle Fortenberry. Fortenberry, jeez, had a touchdown in this game as well. Frustrating game at the start, but got more fun as it went on. And you and I rightfully won the game. And then now they're going to play on play in Illinois State. It was one of the worst teams in Missouri Valley Conference this year, which is weird because the game they play next on November 13th, Missouri State is one of the best teams. The Fighting Bobby Petrinos, I believe they're top 10. I think you and I got ranked 13th in this latest poll, which I think is really low. Back-to-back top 10 wins. You only move up like four spots. Six spots or five spots. I think they were set. They were 17 or 18 last week. I can't really remember. They're 13 now, which is a little low. Which is which is a little low. Little 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 low low there. But let's look at some games that we had this weekend on our betting thing that did not work out because again the teams didn't do their job. I did mine. I put the picks in, but they didn't do theirs. They didn't cover or win. So Georgia covered against Florida. Fairly easy one. Florida never had always beaten Georgia when the Braves won the World Series. Went to the World Series. So. I was like, well, Florida turns it over about a thousand times a game. They have a good offense, but turn it over a shit ton. They started Richardson in this game, put Emory Jones in later, and yeah, 34-7, to fairly predictable outcome there. Cincinnati just decided, you know what, we're not going to show up against fuck, <laughs> against Tulane, and Tulane team that's getting blown out every single game this year, except for the game against Oklahoma, weirdly. Like, did they only wake up for games against top five teams? And for the people that hate power or group of five schools that make the playoffs or wants to make the playoffs, this was back-to-back weeks of people that were felt vindicated by that. You almost lost to Navy, beat them by seven, and then you have a game against Tulane where you're at 14-12 at halftime. 14-12 against Tulane. Now, you came back and won 31-12, but you didn't cover. Freaking losers. You won by 19 points, you needed 24. Freaking losers. Uh, Oklahoma, they were favored by a decent amount, and Caleb Williams went freaking off against Texas Tech. They were favored by 20. They won 52-21, to so they won by 31 points this game. Caleb Williams, 402 yards passing, six touchdowns, and Spencer Rattler is now in the transfer portal. Not officially, but he <laughs> after that game, it definitely helps. Ohio State, Penn State. Ohio State won, didn't cover, screw them. Michigan State beat Michigan, Michigan didn't cover, screw them. Oregon won, pretty sure they covered. They were big-time favorites in this game. I guess I don't know if they actually covered or not. We'll have to check that. So what was the line in this game, spread? 24, they won 52-29. Is that covered? Math? Yes, I think. <laughs> yeah, they covered. <laughs> I I. I my brain's not really working right now. Then we had Ole Miss versus Auburn. Auburn won. Ole Miss did not cover. Notre Dame versus North Carolina. Notre Dame was a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They won. We picked them. Good job, Notre Dame. Kentucky lost to Mississippi State. Didn't cover because Kentucky was favorite. Picked them. Wake Forest killed Duke. Uh, Kansas got blown out by Oklahoma State. Picked Kansas for some d- 
unknown reason. Lost by freaking 52 points in this game. Texas lost to Baylor. I mean, I should have picked Baylor. This is the one I was least confident in this weekend. I picked Texas. Texas just does not like to play two halves of football. I like to play one. Didn't show up in the second half as per usual and lost 31-24. Pitt lost to Miami, so I obviously didn't cover. Houston beat SMU on a BS punt kick return. Uh, Fresno State beat San Diego State. Did we pick them? Of course we freaking didn't. We picked San Diego State, lost by 10. We already talked about Iowa State losing to West Virginia. Iowa State didn't cover. Uh, and then BYU blew out uh, Virginia, which we had, but that game was awesome. Good Lord. It was 42 to what? 45 at halftime? It's freaking awesome. <laughs> ah, man. But the game that pissed me off the most. This is another example of like the Florida LSU thing. Clemson, Florida State. First off, screw Florida State. I think everybody shares my sentiment with this. Screw them and not covering this game. You were covering. You were winning the game in regards to spread-wise. And then you do the stupid lateral thing that I think's worked, what, twice in, a, in the history of football? The game against the Patriots, Miami Dolphins Patriots thing, and the Cal versus Stanford game? Are those the only two times this has ever freaking worked in football history? If you could think of more... Let me know, because I don't know. And then this one worked so bad that I guess it technically works. It ended up in a touchdown, but for the other freaking team. And that's how the game ended. The line in this game, <laughs> conveniently enough, you know what the line was? We got to find it again. Was 10. It lost by 10. I think it ended up being 9.5 was the spread, actually. Now, I don't know what would happen if they, you know, does 10 count? Does it count as even? I don't know. But either way, uh, screw Florida State. Let's just keep it like that. Doesn't matter if they won, lost, tied, whatever. Screw them. They suck. No more no more friends with them. They don't like them anymore. We're not going to go over any other games we did this weekend because it was just a fairly atrocious weekend. A pretty terrible weekend in regards to looking at games because, yeah, uh, the, the, this weekend was all based off me doing a mock draft and then my teams that I picked not performing. That's not on me. That's on them. We said that before. We'll say it a thousand more times. And then finally, before we get into our last thing, I this so you guys know, I'm a favorite to win my fantasy league now. So good shit, Logan. But now let's get into the thing we are all waiting for. It's Wednesday, so you obviously know what's going to go on. We got the Week 9 Quarterback Prospect Rankings coming out. We have some new developments in this list. We have a new number one. Yes, we do. It's Malik Willis. He's back. I mean, pretty unsurprising, to be honest. There were some throws he made this past week against UMass that were awesome to watch, and I understand completely where a lot of people come from with this. This is UMass. Matt Corral played Auburn on the road. How was Malik Willis jumping him? Again, this all goes down to what we talked about with the mock draft. I think Malik Willis' skill set is greater than that than any other quarterback in this freaking draft class. And I think once the things start finishing and are sorting itself out, Malik Willis will ultimately be the first quarterback off the board, regardless of who plays better this season, because I think Malik Willis is just that good. And he had a great game this weekend. He had four passing touchdowns, over 307 yards, over 300 yards passing for the first time since November 14th of last year. And he didn't turn the ball over, which was very nice to see. Rushing yards are working up again. Because remember, we talked about last week against North Texas, he had negative eight rushing yards, which was not great. He had six interceptions over the span of two games, which was not great. But this is a game where you saw his full skill set on display. 
which is what you want to see out of a guy like this. Matt Corral against Auburn, I mean, he's he didn't drop very far. He dropped a two. But this is the first time he hasn't had a passing touchdown since, when was this? I had it written down. It's the first time he had finished a game with more interceptions than touchdowns since the last five interception game against LSU. It's the first time he hadn't had a passing touchdown in a game since November 9th of 2019. That was before he was even the full-time starter at Ole Miss. Like, he, I give him credit. He played through an injury. I don't know how serious it was or how what it was. I know it was his ankle. I don't know if he tweaked something or if he sprained it, high ankle sprain. It didn't look great. I mean, he was rolling out to his right. Defend, defender fell on his leg, kind of twisted his ankle around, got carted off, came back a few plays later pretty much, and then led them to their first scoring drive of the game. It was a rushing touchdown for Ole Miss. And they lost the game by 11. I get it was on the road against the top 25 team. But if you just look at the performances themselves, you have to say Malik Willis is back and rightfully back at number one for this week. Number three, we have Carson Strong. Put together another very strong performance this week against UNLV. 417 yards passing, four touchdowns and an interception. But also, more importantly, Carson Strong rushed for over zero yards for the second time this season. Had four yards this game, which is very impressive. Just keep working your way back up to zero yards. You'll be fine. I think he's at like negative 97 yards rushing this season. But the thing I like about Strong is that he's getting better as the season progresses. Over these past few games, so we talked about the first four games of the season, he had eight touchdowns. The last four games, he has 16 with just three interceptions to his name. He has doubled the amount of touchdowns he's had over the same amount of games and is completing a higher percentage of his passes as well. He's looking very, very sharp. And this week, they're playing San Jose State, a team that took a good San Diego State team to double overtime. So we'll see how that goes for them. But Strong's getting better. And I like the fact that he got positive rushing yards in this game because it's the first time he's done that since like week two of this season. So that's what we like to see. That's what we like to see. But I really like Carson Strong. He's just got all, he's got the build, the talent to be a top quarterback in this draft class. But I think Malik Willis's skill set is too much to pass for number one. But I think he can move up to number two at some point. At some point. But he was my third quarterback in the draft. We saw the mock draft. We had Malik Willis going number two to the Eagles. We had Matt Corral going number nine to the Washington football team. In the uh, Carson Strong or the Steelers at 18. So that's the order's changed a lot since that day. I think the Washington football team right now picked five. But that was the, the order from that last week. So there was that. Number four, Desmond Ritter. I Like we said, Cincinnati didn't play well for back-to-back weeks. Struggled against teams that have combined record of three and 13. That's not ideal. Now, both of them were on the road, so we'll give them, I, I guess, somewhat of a pass for that, but both being but it's at Navy and at Tulane, it's not necessarily the most hostile environments after, ever. But they came back in the second half. I, get, I mean, scored 17 unanswered points in the second half. Ritter had a nice game, three touchdowns passing, 227 yards passing as well, had 47 yards rushing, was the most yards he's had since, when was this? When was the last time he had this? I had this written down, and now I can't find it anywhere. Oh, my God. I know he had 45 yards rushing some point this season. I think it was, like, week four. So this is the most yards he's had in a little bit. But I don't – I there's two sides to this. I wish he ran more because he's a really good runner, but I understand why he's not doing it because, you know, you want to show your improved passer, you're a quarterback. 
running the ball is always going to be available to you, but you want to be a smarter decision maker when it comes to passing. He's staying in the pocket longer, which has worked out for him because he's having a very nice season this year. 18 touchdowns, four interceptions this season, only 171 rushing yards, which is low from what was expected at the beginning of the year. But I like that he's put all this attention to his pass game. And now they're back at home and they're playing a Tulsa team that just got this loss to Navy, a Navy team that didn't pass the ball a single time this past weekend. But yeah, I think Strong and Navy or Strong and Cincinnati will be strong. Ritter and Cincinnati will have a nice game this upcoming week against Tulsa, and I I don't expect them to yet again have somewhat of a down performance against a team that they should dominate, like Navy, like Tulane. I know Navy runs the triple option. We've talked about that before about how the triple option can be impossible to scout if you've never run it before because you can't run it as fast as them. They'll tire the defense out, keep the offense off the field, but. Cincinnati, or uh, yeah, Cincinnati beat every team they play by double digits, and Navy's been bad this year. So, though they ran the triple option, if it was Army, I would have gone like, okay, yeah, take the points for Army, but it was Navy. And that was the best game Navy's played, and it's the only game to this point Cincinnati hasn't beaten a team they play by double digits, which is impressive for Navy, even though they've only won two games this year. Uh, number five on this list is Kenny Pickett. So he threw two interceptions in this game. I know he threw for 519 yards, which is impressive. But then there's a point that I like to bring up every once in a while when it comes to these big-time passing performances. Like, you're going to look at this and go, how is he only number five? He threw for over 500 passing yards. The fact is, he threw 55 passes. If you don't throw for over four, at least 400 yards, you had a pretty rough day in the office in regards to the yards versus attempts go. He had three passing touchdowns this game, but the two interceptions is the thing I want to point out here is because they were bad interceptions. They weren't anything that he got pressured or he got hit as he threw or the defender roughed up the deceiver. He got a jump ball. No, every pass, that every interception he threw in this game, he had a clean pocket. There was no pressure on him. He underthrew the first receiver and receiver the defender jumped the route. And then the next one, he overthrew his receiver who was running like a skinny post, and he threw it off his... So there's, let's just do this. So the receiver started on the right hash, where it was working his way towards the left pylon, and we're working from the offensive side of things. The receiver's working towards that left pylon, and he threw it back towards the right. So he overthrew him on that one. Now you can do the whole Patrick Mahomes thing of that, oh, he was supposed to be somewhere else, but the route was, at least to my knowledge, was a skinny post, and he threw a regular fade route. But either way, the interceptions were not great. Yards were nice. He ran, didn't have a great day rushing the ball, but Kenny Pickett is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I have no doubt that he can move up higher up this list because he's having such a great year, and it was unexpected, sure, but he's kept it up. 26 touchdowns, three interceptions on the season. The only other game he's thrown an interception was the only other game they've lost. So if he turns doesn't turn the ball over, Pitt's fine. I was very shocked they lost this game, especially being at home, but Miami's played a lot of tough games this year. Lost a couple really close games. Like North Carolina, they lost to Virginia really close. This game was really close as well. But I thought Pitt was be able to handle it because you look at the other teams Pitt has faced and pretty much pushed aside. I thought they could do the same thing with Miami. And I think they'll do that this week. They played Duke, a team that Brennan Armstrong for Virginia. You've had Sam Howell. You've had uh, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. All have had great games against Duke. They have a bottom 10 pass defense. Miami has a bottom like think 25 pass defense that I was expecting Pickett to have a nice day. He he did. I mean, 519 yards, but the two picks weren't great. And 
Duke's bad, so he should have a very good game, and I'm expecting a very easy win for Pitt this upcoming weekend, even though it's at Duke. Number six, Sam Howell. He's trying to do everything. I'll give him credit. He's trying to do everything for North Carolina. He had 91 yards rushing and a touchdown, 341 yards passing and a touchdown there as well, but just lost. He's been sacked a lot this year, been hit a lot this year, but he's just had a he's had a very good season running the ball, which is nice to see because we knew we talked about going into the season. You can go back and read all my preseason stuff and listen to preseason shows and hear me talk about Sam Howell is an underappreciated athlete, that he is a good athlete and can expose you if given the opportunity to. And he's done that this year. He's killed every single rushing number he's had from the season prior. He's second in North Carolina in rushing, second in rushing touchdowns, and this season though. Where he's packed up rushing yards, he has kind of dropped in consistency in the passing game. He's thrown seven interceptions this season, which is tied with the most interceptions he's thrown throughout his career, which is he's thrown only seven interceptions his first two years in North Carolina. And now he's at seven with like four or five games, four games left, plus the bowl games. You got five games left, and that's if they make it because they're four and four right now. So it's been really inconsistent from the passing thing. I think he's got all the tools. But the stuff that he's doing this year has been very up and down this year against a conference that he should be doing a lot better in against teams that Kenny Pickett's kind of torn apart this year. But this week is going to be another tough one. It's at home, playing Wake Forest, number 10 team in the nation, shocking team, number 10 in the nation, undefeated. North Carolina's going to want to play upset here. It's at home. I expect, I'm hoping Hal and co. have himself a very nice game this week. So I like North Carolina. I want to see them do well. Number seven, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I mean, he didn't play as predicted, didn't play, had an injured hand, was, I guess, throwing warm-ups with his left hand, and unsurprisingly, UCLA got crushed. I mean, we said that going in, we said it was going to be a tough game regardless of Dorian Thompson-Robinson playing or not, but we said him being hurt, they're going to lose, so why play him? Just don't risk him getting further hurt, and they're going into a bye week this week. They're coming off two bad losses or two rough losses, I guess I should say, to Oregon and now Utah, this will give DTR a chance to get healthy, get back in the swing of things, and they're playing Colorado, so that could be a very nice uh, comeback game where you can kind of ease DTR back into things, use Zach Charbonnet in the running game a lot to beat the Buffaloes in that because Colorado is not a good team this year. But yeah, didn't play, so I guess there's not really a lot to talk about. Number eight, Jake Hayner, beating a number 21 team in the nation, San Diego State on the road, impressive. We talked about how his numbers were kind of dipping in regards to just yards when you look at the previous stuff this season, but he's gotten, he had a very nice game this week. He had 306 yards passing, one touchdown, no picks in the game as well. Threw the ball 42 times, so maybe you want the numbers a little bit higher, but completion percentage-wise, he hasn't had a single game where it's been over 60% apart from once the entire month of October, so you're going to want that to get improved. But he's had a nice year, and you're coming up against a game on the road against a tough San Diego State defense, and win, that's pretty impressive. And the other quarterbacks that we had on here did not do very good this weekend, so that's basically why Hayner moved up to number eight on this week's list. Number nine, he moved up two spots. Number nine is Jaden Daniels. He This is the first time this year we have seen Jaden Daniels throw a passing touchdown back-to-back games, which is kind of ridiculous to see how talented Jaden Daniels is. And they lost, again. 34 to 21 to Washington State. This is the second straight week where they've gotten blown out. This time at home, they got blown out 35 to 21, where they didn't even show up in the second half against Utah. And then this week, they scored two touchdowns in the final 30 seconds of the first half and then the second half. And the second half touchdown, Jane Daniels didn't even play. 
So that I don't know what's going on with the consistency factor here where they're just not showing up for certain ports of the game because this is a team they should have easily beaten. I shouldn't say easily. This is a team they should have beaten, Washington State. They're not that good. <laughs> they're not bad by any stretch, but how good Arizona State is, you would expect them to win. At least that's how I was viewing the thing. Like, what was the spread in this game? Try to find it on here. Arizona State was favored by 15 points. Now, we did pick Washington State to cover, but this is a game that I thought Arizona State would win, and they did not. And Jane Daniels threw more intercepts than touchdowns this season. He has seven touchdowns, five picks. But he's the only quarterback on this list, including the other section, that does not have 10 touchdowns. And they're going into this week against USC, who's a very wishy-washy team, but this is a game where Jane Daniels in the passing game, I would hope, can get back going. I just hope, I just don't like how inconsistent they're being. His numbers, like completion to attempt-wise, are looking really good, but I'd want to see his touchdown numbers go up as well. I think he's extremely athletic. I think he's extremely talented. I just want to see those numbers in the passing game for touchdowns go up. It's the first time, though, we saw him pass touchdowns in back-to-back games, which is very nice. And then number 10, I don't know why we haven't mentioned him all year, but Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. He's in his fourth year as Wake Forest's starting quarterback, fourth or third or no, fourth year, and he's having a career year. He's like Kenny Pickett, having himself a very, very nice season. This week against Duke, 402 yards passing, three touchdowns, 61 yards rushing, two touchdowns there, no turnovers. Every number has been better. Like you look at his passing numbers. He's under just under 2,500 yards in the season, 22 touchdowns, three picks. And he's also had 207 yards rushing with six touchdowns on 50 carries. His career high before this in passing yards was 2,224 yards, which was in 2020. He's passed that. 16 touchdowns in 2018, so his freshman year, he's passed that. And a career high completion percentage of 58.2. He's passed that at this point in time. He's got around 66% completion percentage, if I'm not mistaken. His rushing numbers are about to go up as well. 275 yards rushing on the season or uh, from last year. In 20 or no 2018, 275 yards rushing with 107 carries. This point to this season, 207 yards on 50 carries. So on less than half the carries, he's only what 68 yards away. Like he's just there, about ready to pass. He just needs a couple good more games, more a couple more good games running the ball. He'll easily pass that. His yards per carry is insanely different as opposed to that season. So that's good. That's what you want to see. How much more mobile and how much more they use him in the run game is key. And he's looked really, really good. And a big reason why Wake Forest is undefeated. We knew Sam Hartman was good. I didn't know he'd be this good going into the season. Like, good. Like, Kenny Pickett was good, too. But you didn't go, oh, yeah, he's going to get drafted high. And Sam Hartman could keep working his way up. But he's back in at number 10. They're playing North Carolina, as we said, for Kenny Pick- uh, for Sam Howell. And for the ACC... That gets crapped on as much as it does. They have more quarterbacks in my top 10 than anybody. Like, you look at this. You've got Sam Hartman, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell. And then we'll get to Brendan Brendan Armstrong in the other sections. There's four quarterbacks and, like, 15 quarterbacks right here. For how much it gets crapped on for not being a good conference. They got some good quarterbacks in the conference right now. I'll give them credit for that. And the SEC's only got one guy. And that's, that's Matt Corral. If I'm not mistaken, he's the only one in there. Oh, we got Devin Leary in here as well from NC State. We have him in the other section. Uh, he's had himself a nice year. 21 touchdowns, two picks, coming off a big win against Louisville. Dominated win, 15-point win over the Cardinals. Uh, Hendon Hooker is still there as well from Tennessee, even though they had a bye. 
Grayson McCall had a nice week against Troy. Tougher game than what he probably expected, but still a nice enough week to stay in the other section. Tanner McKee dropped out of the top 10. He had two interceptions, no touchdowns, negative 15 yards rushing, and a loss to Washington. But Washington has a very good pass defense. We talked about that last week. They have the number one pass defense in the nation. They have Trent McDuffie, one of the best corners in college football. We knew this was going to be a tough game for him, and it showed this past weekend. Two interceptions, no touchdowns for him. And then we have Brendan Armstrong, as we said, four passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and a loss against BYU because, again, they're very one-dimensional in <laughs> Virginia. No defense, all offense. It's all on Brendan Armstrong. So recapping the top 10 for you, number one, Malik Willis. Number two, Matt Corral. Number three, we have Carson Strong. Number four, Desmond Ritter. Five, Kenny Pickett. Six, Sam Howell. Seven, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Eight, Jake Hayner. Nine, Jaden Daniels. And number 10, we have new boy Sam Hartman. So with that, I think that's all I've got for you today. I'm surprised my laptop stayed alive. I forgot my charger at work, and my laptop's been very shaky in regards to, uh, what do you know, uh, battery life. <laughs> so we'll have to see. In the college football rankings, the first official college football playoff rankings are out. At least that's what I thought I saw on Twitter. I was just scrolling on Twitter. First CFP rankings of the season are here, and here are the top six. I don't think this is too surprising. We were just talking about this with Cincinnati. Uh, they are out of the top four. It is Georgia, Bama, Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State, and Cincinnati. I'm not too surprised by that, to be 100% honest with you. Uh, Cincinnati, you're, you're coming off two bad losses, or two, not bad losses, bad performances against not great teams in Navy and Tulane that people that are outside or that are against the group of five teams. They will be all happy for this. You want to be, oh, wow, look at this. This team sucked against Tulane and Navy. So, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to be. <laughs> I am kind of surprised to a certain extent that Oregon is number, uh, what was it, number four. I'm kind of surprised by that. But, hey, I, I'm surprised Ohio State's that low, too. I don't even know if Oklahoma, did I say Oklahoma in there? Were they in that? They didn't even include Oklahoma, which I understand to a certain extent, but Oregon jumped them that far? I mean, Oklahoma's undefeated. I know they've struggled against Tulane. They struggled against Texas to a certain extent, but Oregon lost to Stanford like three weeks ago. Why, why are we ranking them that high? Now, I, I can understand completely why Cincinnati's dropped as far as they have because of the fact that they've had two bad performances. So, yeah, that's what we're going to have to look at right there, but the whole poll should be out soon. At least that's the only... I can't find it on ESPN, but Twitter's posting it. I saw the top six. There you go for that. <laughs> but with that, that's all I've got for you today. For this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, go back to the middle of the show and listen to where my social media feeds are. If you want to go follow those, I'd appreciate it. Make sure you're following me on the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. If you're not, do it. If you didn't like the show, I apologize. I'll do try better next time. But it's good to be back. Uh, Vikings figure your home crowd out. And with that, I will see you all later. Peace.